0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now in Ukraine, yesterday, Sunday, uh, a Russian shell or a series of them uh, in a residential area of Ukraine's southern city of Kherson left at least three people dead and ten injured. The targets were unbelievably a hospital, a school, a bus station, a post office, a bank, And residential buildings, it was a shocking and typical uh, Russian abuse of any rules. And uh, there was also a missile hit an apartment building in Kharkiv, uh, Ukraine's second largest city, killing one person, injuring three others. But there's no relenting in this war uh, and this invasion launched by Putin uh, on the Ukrainian people. And uh, the war crimes committed now are beyond uh, counting. At the same time, uh, there was good news for Ukraine last week when United States, with Germany, uh, France, Britain, all committed to and Poland, of course, uh, which has a big stake in this conflict. Uh, also, sending uh, agreeing to send tanks. Uh, To Ukraine. We're joined now by Johnny O'Reilly, who's an Irish filmmaker and journalist. Johnny has been guiding us through this awful war from the beginning, um, and we're very grateful to him. Johnny, thank you very much for joining us. I just started uh, by mentioning that shelling of Herson and the targets hospital, school, bus station, post office, bank, and residential buildings. The Resilience uh, of the Ukrainian people is extraordinary. Um, And you know Kherson, of course, and also Kharkiv, also bombed apartment buildings. How hard is it for Ukrainian people now? Um, How terrifying is it in a city like Kherson or Kharkiv to not be fearful of what's coming? Um.
1: Well, I have spent quite a bit of time in Kherson and you might be surprised to hear that uh, people still feel that uh, much better uh, about being under attack by Russians from the other side of the river than being under occupation by the Russians. So what's happened in Kherson since liberation is that the majority of the people have just left. There's now about between ten and twenty percent of the population left, Um, and those who are left are the ones who either can't leave or stubbornly uh, refuse to leave, or uh, are not scared enough to leave. So when you're there, you speak to people uh, cleaning up the rubble of a of a building that's just been bombed, and uh, of course they are uh, angry. Uh, but not scared because the ones that are left behind are the ones who are s- the, the stubborn ones, if yes. you like. Yes. So you, do, you don't feel that fear. You don't, you know, the, that, that fear or terror that these attacks are uh, supposed to induce it are, are not bringing about that outcome for the Russians. There's no military value whatsoever no. for them in uh, targeting these civilian uh, buildings. Um, and they're having no impact on people's fear, uh, possibly the opposite. It's just uh, re- giving them more uh, resolution to uh, win the fight. So you know when you're there, you don't you don't feel the fear. um the fear here is th- there's enough fear to make people <laughs> remain sane, you know? Yeah. so obviously, you need to be frightened. But um, certainly the morale in, here has been high throughout the war and continues to be so.
0: Now, you're in Kiev at the moment, although you were uh, down in those other uh, places um, filming um, and seeing uh, the war uh, on the ground. Uh, but Kiev is also now more of a target, isn't it? I note that there was a, a heavy attack um, um, uh, artillery uh, and stuff last week. We spoke to you a while ago when you were in Kiev and you were, it's really at the beginning and you said life was as normal almost. Um, how is life in, in Kiev now?
1: Well, I, I think a good way of illustration that is to kind of um, describe a bit about the trends of emotions, if you like. Yeah. For the first six months of the war, there were many moments where people felt, especially in the earliest part of the war, where people felt the the country could be overwhelmed. There were moments of of real fear uh, of what may happen. But in the last six months, there has been much less of that, and that's partly evidenced by the support from the West, partly evidenced by the battlefield gains within the uh, in the East, but uh, also with regards to the missile attacks and drone attacks on infrastructure, the the Russians have not succeeded in destroying major parts of the infrastructure. And that's evidenced by how much electricity we have on a daily basis in uh, the city of Kiev, for example. We have blackouts about uh, twice a day for about three hours each day. And for most people, that's manageable, especially if you can afford a, a power station uh, which will bridge the electricity gap for that yes. three hours and then you charge it up for the next three hours when there is electricity. So even the, the power outages have been normalized and the percentage of the missiles which have been knocked out of the sky has been improving um, with the arrival of, a, you know, increased quality anti-aircraft missile systems from the West. So, the the trend is upwards with regards to that. Also,
0: now the last week, of course, um, with the announcements uh, in Europe, in particular, um, and in Germany, in particular, uh, that they themselves are going to send uh, the Leopard two tanks, and they were going to allow nations such as Poland and Sweden that they've sent uh, them two to to le- release their tanks as well. Of course, as the United States. I think the the Germans, it's believed, only agreed if the United States would agree to send their heavier tanks uh, to Ukraine. What kind of an effect has that had on the morale of the people um, and indeed in their fighting capacity of the Ukrainian military?
1: It's been, uh, had a very uh, positive effect on the morale of people, certainly just anecdotally uh, amongst friends and people I know around here. um, There there was a big campaign called Save the, or Save the, the, Free the Leopards online, and everybody really subscribed and signed up to that. And then when it was announced, there was quite a lot of uh, celebration. You know, people went out for drinks, you know, just to celebrate it. So certainly that's been a big deal in terms of morale and will be a big deal on the battlefield in, yes. within about two months. But I think there's another uh, element to that story which has been a bit underreported and possibly uh, speaks to Schultz's hesitancy in, in going ahead with it. Um, and that is, you know, in, in providing this very welcome uh, resource to the Ukrainians, you're strengthening Putin at home to an extent. Yes. Because this being a hybrid war on two fronts, the real war in in Ukraine and the information war at home that is very important to Putin's um, maintenance of power in the long term, Um, you know, ultimately everyone believes that the end game of this war will be uh, some form of regime change in Russia like Perhaps there might be some interim deal to be done with Putin, but everyone knows that will not last. You can't really have a lasting peace when Putin is still in power. So the the, 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 the effort strategically is always to try and weaken him somehow. And by delivering uh, bat- offensive battlefield tanks from NATO countries to Ukraine, you're effectively aligning... Putin's, um, uh, uh, his propaganda with reality that he is now fighting the NATO, you know, yes. not just Ukraine. And therefore, it probably makes it a bit harder down the line for Putin to be unseated, given that uh, he will, there. you know, he will spin this as an existential battle between Russia and NATO for for their country.
0: Yeah, the West... Oh, and I use that term uh, overall, the, the free world, if you like, appears to have decided in the Americans in particular that Putin can't win, uh, mustn't be allowed to win. This is something uh, that cannot happen. And I'm sure that has conveyed itself uh, to uh, the Ukrainian people and but it does raise the stakes um, from his perspective, doesn't it? And he has, again, and Lavrov, his uh, foreign minister, they have raised the specter of nuclear weapons being used again. What's your take on that, Johnny?
1: Well, I think the the raising of stakes uh, ha- happened really on February the 24th. Yes. And uh, after that massive invasion uh on the country, it really became a zero sum game where one side had to win in order for the other to lose. Like, yes. You know, you're not going to have a compromise solution. No, So I've, I believe that all along. And so the the stakes have always been uh, the same in the sense that, and 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 the trajectory was always fairly predictable in terms of its escalation. It's always going to escalate until Somebody loses. So the question will come in the latter stages of that escalation uh, what's going to happen politically to Putin at home? Um, and, you know, we, we hopefully will find out later this year when the Ukraine, when the Western tanks are put to use in, in the Donbass. And uh, what many uh, military experts believe that they will be unstoppable by the Russian tanks and the, there will be s- serious gains to be made there. So w- when that happens, how will Putin react? What will he do I- is the big question.
0: Last week, it was announced that there were a string of resignations and dismissals from the Ukrainian government uh, by the president, uh, Zelensky. Uh, Corruption was the uh, allegation, and a a number of uh, high-level positions uh, changed, um, and a number of people were effectively uh, dismissed. Corruption has never been far from Ukraine, has it, for decade a couple of decades
1: now no cor- corruption has been rife in this country for for many years in fact if for much of the 90s and the 90s yeah the corruption index was higher it, it, it was more corruption here than in russia even yes. under the uh, rules of the corruption the transparency index but um the, uh, look, Ukraine wants to become part of the EU. It, yes. The leadership understands that it needs to have an effective war on corruption. And the EU is helping in that regard. Uh, the, 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 I think the timing of all of those firings was quite uh, interesting, given that it happened on the same day that the delivery of the leopard tanks were uh, was announced. So I'm sure there was some form of a quid pro quo with regards to the delivery of offensive weaponry. Right. Um, and uh, that's that's good that the EU can bring to bear that kind of influence yes. within the system uh, here, because in, o- in order for Ukraine to successfully uh, uh, assimilate with the EU, that's going to have to go much further.
0: Now, one of the questions that does arise, and it's in the West in discussing this, and it... Arises in Washington, in Berlin, in, in uh, Paris, and of course in London, is how far Zelensky really wants to go, um, and how far he can be supported, um. In for example, he said he wants them uh, out of Crimea, which they've held, I think, since two thousand and fourteen, um. And of course, the Donbass region, where there is an indigenous population there that is Russian, has Russian sympathies and speaks the Russian language. Is that being discussed in Ukraine? And how much do we know about Zelensky's frame of mind? Is he is he a pragmatist, uh, or will he be pragmatic when the time comes to make that decision about how far? They go um, with the war.
1: I think that's a really interesting question, because there is a, a understandably, a strong nationalistic fervor in this country, even before the war started. Yes. And it was a very uh, accepted political policy that Ukraine should push to return all of its territory. Um, And you will not find any mainstream politician who will go up against that. However, Zelensky and his team are a lot more nuanced in their policymaking with regards to uh, the unifying policies between the Russian-speaking and the Ukrainian-speaking people. Now, obviously, this is all kind of pre-war. Once the war started, everyone aligned along the same uh, vector, if you like. But, of course, of course, Zelensky has to say that, you know, the military effort will not stop until Crimea and all of the Donbass has been returned. Yes. But before the war, you will find Ukrainian politicians telling you, but not uh, telling you, off, uh, of you the know, record, off, yeah. off the record, that none of them want represent you know se- secessionist representatives from Crimea or the Donbas in the national parliament trying to subvert everything that they're trying to do for the rest of the country yes in order to uh, blackmail them into giving them more independence so you you you're going to have you know in the calculation about what to do about Crimea the political prag- pragmatists will start to think about that right. before they push over the line, I believe. But the nationalists will uh, be extremely angry if there's any dragging of heels, uh, given the the possibility of, of, of that. So you're going to see things get very difficult internally within Ukraine if and when the Russians are pushed back to borders pre-Feb 24th. Yes. Because... The majority of the people in U- in Crimea do not want to be part of Ukraine. Right. So that's the difference between you know, f- f- the, the the moral difference, if you like, especially in the eyes of the West, to d- you know, do you take over this territory and force people into a country that they don't want to be in? Yes. Is is a very different um, uh, pro- prospect than you know just trying to reclaim territory where people have you know where. It's been taken by.
0: Yeah, and of course, that's a question for uh, another era, shall we say, the post, um, the present era. Uh, the question of what's happening in Russia, which you know about, Johnny, because you lived there, um, and it, it looks like our old friend, uh, Sarovakin, who was uh, General Armageddon uh, and had destroyed Syria hospitals, schools, the lot, leveled it, and also had been uh, involved in Chechnya. He's uh, had to move down, and he's been replaced by Valery Gerasimov, um, who's now leading uh, the Russian uh, war effort or military effort. Um, Is there any significance in that that you can see?
1: Well, I, th- I think the the only significance is that uh, you know Putin is continues to be unhappy with his generals, and is you know every few months is trying a different uh, system out. Um, but I do think that probably a bit too much has been read into this. Yes, Putin throughout his whole career has always uh, pinned his generals or his lieutenants or his political support his political deputies against each other in order for him to control the loyalties. So it, it made sense for him to create this alternative military structure through uh, Pragojin, who, who was aligned with Surovikin.
0: Yeah, Pragozhin is the, the founder and leader of the Wagner Group, correct? Correct, yes. I, the, and, you might tell us a little bit about them. They are par- paramilitaries. Uh, As we understand it, uh, one of the places uh, Pogodzian finds his army is in the prisons. Uh, They're allowed out um, and sent to be cannon fodder or to kill. It's an extraordinary way to run an army, shall we say.
1: It, it it is but it's it's straight from the US playbook in Iraq right where right. the Americans used a, a, a mercenary group yes yeah, a blackwater i think it was called yeah and um it was look it's 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 a cheap way it's a cheap army for both the Americans and for the Russians they don't have to pay for um their pensions they don't have to report casualty figures right um And uh, for for what? For an extra few hundred dollars per month. But for many soldiers, these structures are more um, attractive because they're smaller, they're better run, there's less bureaucracy. So they do attract uh, professional soldiers. Um, And what Progozhin was tasked with was a style of fighting, which I believe, you know, hails back to the Second World War where you have a, a first wave of ill-equipped, unprofessional soldiers pushed to the front line. And when they're essentially mowed down, the intel that comes from that about the exact positions of the enemy is, is useful intel for the second wave of more professional soldiers. So Progosian pioneered this mostly with uh, so the first wave of unprofessional soldiers were mostly convicts or ex-convicts. From Russian prisons. Now it looks like that that system, having shown its uh, value, is going to be mimicked by the main army. But instead of convicts, you will have a first wave of conscripts, yes. young soldiers with very little experience, backed up by a more experienced cadre at the at the second wave. Right. So, Garasimov. It has now been tasked to put in place that uh, awful system to try and, and benefit the, the the military across the front line.
0: Now there is a lot of talk about a spring offensive, um, and how one of the necessities or imperatives for um, Zelensky uh, and Ukraine is to get those tanks operational to get uh, their own soldiers used to the tanks. When will that begin? How will it proceed uh, in, your, in your view, Johnny? Uh, you might all, also remind us of Zelensky's background and where he started and where he is now. I mean, he is now, I think, an iconic figure, um, widely respected and admired for his leadership of this uh, uh, resistance, if you like, to Putin's war. Well, with, with regards to the spring offensive, it, it's a slightly misleading
1: term because the offensive will start when the ground hardens, and uh, that's more likely in the late spring, early summer. A summer offensive might be a bit more accurate, right? Especially from the Ukrainian side, because that's when they're likely to be up and running with the with all the Western tanks. Um, and uh, w- with regards to uh, Zelensky. Yeah, Zelensky has really emerged as an iconic figure. It's quite interesting now when you compare the image of his face now compared to say 2 years ago. You might remember when he went over on one of his first visits to Russia, sorry to to the States and met with uh, Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, who, who treated him like a young boy and in fact he kind of looked like a young boy. He was unshaven, very young. Um he he he's now only 45 but uh you know the even the beard gives his his uh face a, a a different kind of shape and he looks a lot more mature and he's very much grown into this iconic role uh respected across the world as a, an extremely effective wartime leader
0: i saw a piece of uh, copy in uh, a newspaper profile i think he he his uh, poll rating, um before this invasion was 20% uh, or thereabouts. I might be wrong about that, but now I, I imagine it's uh, much greater. How are the Ukrainian people regarding him? His poll ratings were
1: 21% before the war started, yeah. and shot up towards 85% uh, very soon afterwards. Um, he, he's Look, he's well-liked and and very respected. There's He has absolutely no political opposition at the moment. Uh, everyone has aligned behind him and around him. Yes. Um, And he's proved to be an extremely effective leader. If you think of what he has achieved in the year and a half of this war, or the year of this war, he's uh, much closer to EU accession, a huge uh, 50-country alliance, consistently, constantly providing heavy arms to to the country so he's been hugely effective and turns out that he had the uh, the the right talents and skills for that wartime role he he's a, he's an actor and a producer and a writer of comedies kind of slapstick style almost benny hill style comedies
0: yes i mean, I mean you should adjust uh, in case there is there are listeners out there who don't co- Quite uh, no, uh, he played a fictional president uh, as a comic in a, either a film or a television series before he got the job. That's right. So his he uh, his,
1: his television series is called uh, "Servant of the People." Yeah. as is his political party, and uh, he took the decision uh, mostly, I would imagine, based on the success of the TV show. And his character in it, uh, that uh, he could somehow, you know, use that as, as a as a diving board towards um, uh, political success. And uh, it's an extraordinary him, story, isn't it? <laughs> it's, an, it's extraordinary, yeah, extraordinary. But you know, the the country was looking for a new, younger, more vibrant leader, and uh, he performed extremely well in the election cycle so you, you know we, he he has shown great talent as a as a leader as a yes. politician in the early days of his political career by winning the presidency against all odds um and obviously he's not a a, a manager of a large corporation he's not someone who has experience managing uh, thousands of people but uh, that's probably a good thing because the the military itself have been able to you know uh, put in place their own um uh, major decisions without interference from the political from the politicians and uh, you know it's often seen throughout history where politicians have uh, you know meddled with uh, military affairs of course yes to uh, to to great disadvantage so while the the military has been making the the major military decisions he's focused his time on um, reaching out to the world and convincing people in 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 the world's capitals yes
0: to provide
1: support to the to the Ukrainian military
0: just let me ask you finally uh, Johnny for now should we expect now a long conflict a long war or do you see or and do your friends and colleagues see clearly wh- what the future holds and when it's going to come
1: no one knows and anyone who claims to know you know it it, it is is exaggerating yes um, but we, what, what do you have on the one side you have putin who's an extremely talented leader and understands his people well understands the systems that are in place very well but someone who is also prone to decisions based on emotions. He's vindictive. He doesn't always make decisions that are in his own interests. Um, And given uh, the increased pressure on him, one would hope that he continues to make bad decisions. Interestingly, he is up for election, uh, as is Zelensky, next year, 2024. Right. Um, So Putin will want to Get something sorted before he announces his candidature. Even though we all know it's not a real rec- election in Russia, but he has always paid a lot of attention to the election schedules. You might remember that he he created this um, very convoluted scheme f- whereby his deputy Medvedev became president. Yes. He became pri- prime minister for one
0: term. Yeah, for
1: one term. So he he will pay attention to the election cycle. He will look for the correct moment to announce his candidature. And uh, he will want to s- resolve this before that happens. He's probably thinking his mind in the autumn. So um, I don't know. Nobody knows. But uh, there's a good chance, I believe, that uh, with this heavy weaponry that has been provided to the Ukrainians, they can make serious Uh, work with them over the summer and uh, let's see what kind of uh, an impact that could have politically.
0: Yeah, and just in terms of those uh, of that uh, weaponry uh, there is also um, an anti-artillery cover, as it were, air cover to some extent, isn't there? That will be extremely helpful.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, people have all said that these Patriot missiles for example are defensive in nature. Yes, they're defensive in nature, but if you uh have them placed near the offensive positions of your arm of your uh, tanks moving forward, anything within sixty kilometers of that uh Petro system it will be taken out. You've effectively got a no-fly zone for that sixty kilometers. Yes. So certainly the um the The momentum is with the Ukrainians, given the high-tech nature of the new weaponry that's arrived in the country.
0: Okay, Johnny, we're very grateful to you, as always, for joining us from uh, Kiev. And uh, take care of yourself. It's fascinating um, to have the option of talking to you, and we're very grateful for it. Uh, Thanks to Johnny, of course. Uh, Stay safe. Thanks to all of you who listened. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.